Okay, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians 6. We're gonna, we've been looking at the, the idea of a gospel home because, uh, again, is gonna, was speaking at this at, at some churches and realized probably a good thing to share with your actual church body. Uh, and so we saw how the, the home itself, the Christian home, is meant to be a, a picture of the gospel, that, that men and women are given roles in, in living out that story of the gospel in our homes, that, that husbands serve the, the role as portraying the picture of Christ in the home, the wives portraying the picture of the church. And, and so we looked at a, a gospel marriage, and then last week we started looking at a, the gospel and, and the family. Uh, that, that family life, the relationship between parents and children is itself also a picture of the gospel, of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so we looked at uh, last week, children of the promise, how in Ephesians 6, he does command uh, that children are commanded to act a certain way, that Christian children are, are commanded to, to obey, uh, to honor their father and their mother, that children are supposed to take on that role, that they need to, as, as children of the body of Christ, that you kids need to realize you're not exempt from being important in life until you become an adult, until you get married, uh, that you are uh, a vital part of the, of the body of Christ and have obligations on you, even obligations in your home. Your obligations aren't just, you know, a certain way you behave at church, uh, but how you behave at home. And you are to obey your parents in everything, that this pleases the Lord, that it is righteous, that it comes with a, a great blessing. And we looked at last week, also a very horrible curse. Um, if you don't, I don't know what stuck with the kids more, the blessing or the horrible curse. Uh, I did hear a whole lot more about buzzer and ravens all week long than I did living long in the land. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe the negative one had a little bit more impact. So kids, just, just don't, don't be dumb. Obey your parents. Uh, show the world the, the, the glory of an obedient church. I mean, that's a great role that you've got is to live out that relationship between the father and his children. So in the home, uh, live out that kids. But Ephesians 6 doesn't just end with children, just like Ephesians 5 didn't just say, hey, wives, be the church, and then that's it. Uh, it talked about husbands, and so here too, it's, you know, children, obey your parents, be that picture of the body of Christ, but also what? Uh, we've got a, a word for parents as well. So uh, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We'll read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 again, and we'll focus on verse 4. Uh, today, the second half of the gospel home. We talked to children last week. Kids, you had to listen last week very intently. You do not get to get off this week. You still have to listen because as we've seen, these roles are going to remind you of uh, your relationship with your heavenly father uh, as well. So make sure you're, you're paying attention again this week. All right, beginning in verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let's pray. Father, we come and, and what would we ask of you today? But that you would be so gracious, God, as to help us to understand your word. And Father, even as, we, as we're, what we're about to talk about, God, you are a father. 
who does instruct his children, who does grow them up, who does shape them, who molds us and disciplines us and teaches us. And so, Father, as we look at what fathers are supposed to be today, we'll be doing that under the eye and guidance of a heavenly father who's doing that right now in our lives. So we thank you, Father, and we pray that you would grow us even more today. It's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. All right, so we, so we looked at one side of the story. We looked at children and how children are supposed to behave in a gospel home and why they're supposed to behave that way, not just because they don't want to, you don't want to embarrass the parents, uh, but because it's portraying a, a picture of the gospel. It's going to be good for them. It's the righteous thing to do. But the, the picture on the other side is, is children who are obedient, but now you've got uh, the, the second picture is a father who nourishes. So last week we looked at children of the promise, uh, and this week we look at a father who nourishes his children, and we see that in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, so children, children are commanded to obey. Fathers are commanded to not provoke their children. Again, you, you notice anything interesting about the pairing here. It, it's, it doesn't say, so it says children obey your parents, but then the second half isn't parents do this, right? It's fathers do this. Now, why would it say fathers and not parents? Now, why not parents don't provoke your children to wrath? Why not parents not do this thing? Uh, we, we certainly know that the Bible tells kids that they are supposed to listen to both of their parents, that both fathers and mothers are supposed to instruct their children in things. You, you read the book of Proverbs, it's very clear. Listen to your father, listen to your mother. Uh, so why does it say here specifically, not parents, but, but fathers? Well, because what is this meant to be a picture of? This is the home again, a picture of the gospel. And husbands are leading or fathers are leading the home. But why are fathers leading the home? Because fathers are themselves playing the role of the Lord in this gospel relationship. Uh, and unlike our Roman Catholic brothers sometimes get close to thinking, this is not a father and mother relationship here. Uh, this is, we are led by a heavenly father, not a heavenly mother uh, in any way. We are led by a, by a heavenly father. And so in light of that, what are fathers supposed to do? So fathers do this. So gospel home, children, you obey your parents and everything for this is right. You honor your father, mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. It may go well with you. you. may live long on the land. But then fathers, what do you do? Fathers don't. I think it's interesting. It starts out just like with prayer. Uh, it started out not with what fathers are supposed to do, but with what fathers aren't supposed to do. And the first thing it tells us as fathers is what? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not be the type of father that the way you treat your child causes them to be angry. If you are a father and you have provoked your children to anger, you can know that you're not doing the fathering right. What does it mean? Don't pre- does that mean your kids should never be mad at you? Well, obviously not. Uh, because if you discipline anybody, the discipline at that time uh, may not seem like the most reasonable thing for you to have done to them. Uh, so what does it mean, don't provoke your children to anger? Well, again, it's so helpful in Scripture that we've got a parallel 
passage in another letter. I think Colossians chapter 3 can help us see, uh, fill out maybe, what does it mean that we're not supposed to provoke our children to anger, not bring them toward anger? I think I think one picture is uh, that we're supposed to bring them toward righteousness. Remember what we saw in the previous verse, uh, that children are to obey their parents in everything because this is righteous. That word right is the same word as righteous, same word as just. So children are supposed to try to be righteous. Parents are supposed to lead them toward that and not lead them toward anger. The Greek word is orge, uh, that, 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 that passionate response of anger, that boiling up. That's what parents, parents lead your children to righteousness. Parents don't lead your children toward anger. So your kids are supposed to obey because that's the righteous thing to do. Parents, make sure you're leading them toward righteousness, not leading them toward anger. If your parenting is always leading toward anger and not leading toward righteousness, then you need to step back from your parenting and say, Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Uh, if, if every time I do this, they just get mad and they're not getting more righteous, the problem's not just always their fault. Uh, make sure that, that the reason that the reason they're getting angry is because you're leading them toward righteousness, right? Let that be the reason, not just because you're doing whatever. So make sure your goal is always to move them toward righteousness, to stir up righteousness in them. And we see this Colossians 3, 21. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, what's interesting here is you can't tell this in your Greek translations, but there's a different word here for provoke than there is in the Ephesians 6 passage. It's a different word. Uh, This word provoke here is the word that means to stir up something. So fathers, the idea is fathers don't stir up your children. It's also the word sometimes translated quarreling or strife. You know, someone that tries to get things stirred up. Uh, fathers, don't be someone who is stirring up your children, who is, who is stirring them up specifically from Ephesians 6 to, to anger. So children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't provoke their disobedience. In your parenting, make sure you're not the reason. So, so they're already in this battle to live the righteous life, right? They're wanting to be godly. They're wanting to obey. They see the promises here. You've raised them up in this stuff. You've taught them these things. Don't you be the one to get in the way of it. Don't you be the one who has laid out the path of righteousness, but then you be standing in the way to actually drive them away from it. And why should fathers not provoke their children? Uh, Why should they not provoke them to anger? I love what Colossians 3 says there. It says, lest they become discouraged. Lest they become discouraged. Now, this is, again, one of those great Greek words that is lost in our translations. That, That word for discouraged is the combination of the words without and breath. Or without, and it's also the word for passion. The word for passion is just the word breath. It's like, you know, and that makes sense. Something that you're passionate about, you're like, get y'all fired up and, and excited. He says, make sure that you don't, you don't stir up your children and leave them discouraged. Leave them, that you, don't, that you don't, in other words, make sure, parents, that you're not the one stealing your children's passion. 
that you're not taking their breath away, that you as a parent are not the one getting in the way of the momentum of your children, that, if, that the Lord has told them to live righteously, make sure you're not the one that's standing in the way of that pursuit toward righteousness, that you're not provoking them instead of the righteousness, provoking them to anger, or that you're not the one instead of, uh, instead of provoking them to righteousness, stirring up and discouraging them, stealing their passion, taking the wind out of their sails. Jesus, of course, warned us that he is especially mindful of those who get in the way of children uh, and their obedience. Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, it was the disciples that almost got in the way of children. Uh, It said, then the children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them. And I always wondered if when he did that, he like looked at his disciples as he did. Like, hmm. Yeah, let me do this. Uh, He laid his hands on them and and went away. And we talked, this is again, you know, kind of like we talked about last week. This is one of the dangers. And one of the reasons I say that, that parenting from doubt can be so dangerous is when we have kids who are wanting to be obedient And we as parents are actually the ones who kind of try to put the brakes on that obedience. And in doing so, we end up stealing the wind out of their sails. And again, not because because there's any verses in Scripture warning us about being cautious uh, with the faith of our children. Although there are warnings that we see about not hindering a child from that faith. I mean, think about how weird it is for us. And and I've done this and seen this. And maybe that's why it's a little bit, you know, pressing to me. Uh, How weird is it that, that Christian parents are often the ones who steal the wind from the sails of Christian children? And that's apparently enough of a problem for Paul to have to write about it here and to encourage, hey, children, do this. Hey, parents, don't get in the way of your children's righteousness. And parents, let me give you a little, a little bit of wisdom here. Encourage the faith in your children. I mean, be ecstatic. When your children show any faith, lest you steal the wind from your child's love for the Lord. And I say that because I'm telling you, treat your children like real people. Meaning this, imagine anyone else, imagine that God has indeed stirred their heart to want to obey and they come to you and the first thing they get from you is, well, I'm not really sure that's God. You're going to have to prove it to me. Now that's going to get into a whole lot of you're, you're steering them down sort of a Roman Catholic road. But imagine, imagine any other situation with any other person. We would never with any other person respond to someone in that way. Imagine, imagine if someone did that to you. Imagine if you were like, you won't believe I, I'm wanting to do this or, 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 or that or the Lord, man, is really teaching me this and went, you know, well, maybe it's God, you know, test that spirit. And it's like, uh. imagine if the first steps of your faith in God were met not with joy, but with doubt by those who should be the most joyful. There is no such thing as a faith that is too childlike. We need to quit trying to make childlike faith more adult-like in order to be real. Our faith is supposed to be like theirs, not vice versa. 
So when you see the faith in children, don't belittle it. Don't demean it. Mirror it. And as we're going to see, nourish it. That's why I say one of the greatest dangers to the faith of Christian children isn't the deception of the world, but it's often the doubt of their parents. That's why Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians, he tells the parents to raise their children in the opposite of doubt. And so what does he say? What does he say that they're supposed to do? He says, fathers, let's go back to Ephesians. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, right? Don't, so they're supposed to be going toward righteousness. He's told the kids to live righteously. Now he goes to parents and says, parents, don't get in the way of that. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't stir them up and end up stealing the, the wind, stealing their breath away, discouraging them. What are you supposed to do instead? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. And we're going to stop with that word right there because that word bring them up is the same word that Paul just used in Ephesians 5. It might even be on the same page that you're on when he says that a husband nourishes and cherishes his wife. It's that exact same word. I would actually encourage you to highlight in some way so that you can see the connection between how husbands are supposed to treat their wives and that same word for how fathers are supposed to treat their children. Uh, That word nourish is the same word as bring them up. The exact same word in, in like one sentence before. So if you put those two things together, Colossians 3, Ephesians 6, parents are not supposed to be discouraging the faith of their children. They are supposed to be nourishing it so when you when you combine those two commands fathers don't provoke toward anger toward discouragement instead fathers what are you supposed to do fathers you're supposed to nourish your children fathers aren't supposed to stir up the children they're supposed to nourish the children and i love that word nourish this is that word nourish is a combination it's a word that we use and we don't even know it that we got from the greek it's a combination of the words out and feed it's still a word we use when talking about farm animals right we need to feed them out Fathers, feed out the children. I love that picture. I love the picture of what it's describing. Your job, parents, is to feed out them kids uh, while they are in your home. That we are, we're supposed to feed them out. It's kind of, that idea stuck since the, at least since the first century. Parents, you're supposed to fatten up your kids in the things of God. You want to know what's my job? Your job is to fatten up your kids in the things of God. I mean, the Christian home should be a feedlot. The Christian home should be a feedlot, not preparing them for market and the slaughter, right? But preparing them to be sent out into the world. Feed them out, get them ready, nourish them. I mean, godly parenting is, is like slow cooking here. It's a slow process. And when our parenting isn't patient, when we're not feeding them out, when we're not with that goal in mind, it's going to, it is going to cause a, a provocation. And think about God's patience with us. I mean, God, when he trains us, when he nourishes us, God doesn't, you know, it's not like a, a, a hose of holiness, right? Where God's like, here's the lessons. And you know, you get it all like on a Sunday, And then we all know everything we're supposed to know. Uh, The Lord patiently has fed us, but he's patient and he's consistent. And those two things need to be true as you feed out your children as well. You need to be nourishing them. You need to be constantly feeding them, 
fattening them up. So what is the, the, the question that all raises for us is, what is, is that what you're doing? What nourishment are your kids getting at home? Are you fattening them up? Are you getting them ready to live the life of a sacrifice? Are you fattening up to be prepared to go out and sacrifice themselves? To sacrifice themselves for the sake of their husbands or their wives or to sacrifice their life for the sake of their kids? If you haven't fattened them up for that process, then don't be surprised when they go out and don't do it. You, know, you don't fatten up the, the calf and then you wonder, man, it didn't really, didn't really weigh that much. I wonder why. Didn't get as much as I thought I'd get. We didn't fatten it up. Fatten up your children. Nourish them in the things of God. Feed them out. I mean, we are, we are our children's dietitian. And so if you, look at, if you look at what you've been nourishing your kids with, and we, it's so funny, we will be sometimes, maybe it's just because of our modern world, we'll be sometimes more actually focused on the physical things that they eat than we are their spiritual diet. I mean, if you were looking, what, if, if you, we were analyzing your life and you were stepping back and looking at the things your kids consume, what you feed them, what sort of food pyramid would your home look like? I mean, compare the, the, the time, the focus, the effort. And, you know, you've got, you've got on that food pyramid, you've got candy down here. And Ralph's like, candy shouldn't even somehow be on the pyramid. Like, kick it off. Uh, kick sugar off of there. Uh, and then you've got the really good things that are supposed to be this big part of the food pyramid. And when you look at your life, what are you nourishing your kids with? If you were honestly looking at the time and effort and commitment to things is the, is the large thing that you're nourishing them with, is that the things of God? What are you making sure that they get in their lives? Because, because realize this, you, you are teaching your kids what is the important thing for them to eat. You're teaching them that. And the truth is we have a lot of out-of-shape Christian kids because of their parents. Because their parents, whose obligation it is to nourish them, simply aren't nourishing them. They're not making sure that they're eating and eating the right thing. And again, notice, notice the focus isn't on what you're not supposed to let them have. But instead, what you're supposed to be feeding them. This is one of the dangers we run into in the Christian home is we think that the Christian home is just about what you protect them from. And it's not. Protection is, is important, but protection is not the totality of Christian parenting. Christian parenting isn't just protecting them from these things, making sure they don't get any of this candy from the world. Christian parenting is stuffing them full of the things of God. It's about what you give them, not just what you keep them. It's not just keeping your kids out of the candy jar, but, but filling them with the bread of life. That's what we're supposed to be nourishing our kids. It is your job, fathers, to be nourishing your children. Again, it's not, what you're, it's not just what you're not feeding your kids. It's what are you feeding them? What are you giving them? I mean, when you look at how you're raising your kids, is it nourishing them or not? Or is it perhaps giving them bad habits? I mean, it'd be honest to, to look at your children and evaluate, look at your daughter and say, what sort of wife are you raising your daughter to be by what you fill her life with? If your son learns from you, 
And if he is, the things you've nourished him with, is he going to go into a marriage as a fat, full father and husband who can lead a home? Or is he going to be emaciated and weak in the things of God and now all of a sudden have to help a wife as well and kids? And then you wonder, man, I really thought, I really thought their marriage was going to be a little bit more solid than this. Why would you think that? You haven't fed him for years. You haven't been feeding him. And as I found out, when you don't, when you don't exercise and you try to go do a physical activity, do not be surprised when your body's like, what is going on here? And when you haven't been feeding your kids out and you've been emaciating them, you've been starving them from the things of God or fattening them up with the things of the world, don't be surprised when they leave and live like you taught them to live. If your son talked to his kids the way you talk to to your children, what sort of a picture of God is that going to paint for your grandkids or for for your son's wife? When your kids are parents, what bad habits are you giving them that their spouse and their children are going to have to deal with? Or that they'll, they'll have to break free from and, and, and the, your, your, your children are going to have to get out of and then think negative thoughts towards you. Like, I, I really loved my parents, but man, they never taught me about this and we didn't ever work on this and I was not prepared for that and I wasn't prepared for this and I wasn't prepared for that. That's your job is to prepare them for this. And to prepare them isn't to go through some practical steps. It's just to nourish them with the things of God. Is God's word a, a snack for your family? You know, where you, you've got like that healthy protein bar you eat every once in a while. Is that what, is that what God's word is, is for your family life? Something you grab, you know, as you're going out the door in the mornings? Or is it the meal? And not just the meal, but every meal. The central meal. Is it every snack? Is it everything? The problem, see, the problem for, for us as Christians, no matter what the world says, the problem isn't that, isn't that we're indoctrinating our kids. That's not the problem. The problem is we're not indoctr- indoctrinating our kids enough. The, the idea of I don't want to force anything on my kids, that's totally foreign to parenting in Scripture. It's like uh, the scripture's like, look, don't let your kids be fools. That's all you. And if they're like, well, I'm not sure, then go, you're being foolish. No, this is what the Bible says, do it. Indoctrination isn't a problem. And look, the world doesn't think, the world doesn't think that's a problem either. They'll try and pretend like, I can't believe you try and indoctrinate your children, but just go to Target during Pride Month and see how much the world really cares about forcing their views on kids. We must indoctrinate our kids. We must get, I love the word indoctrinate, it like reminds you, get doctrine into them. In of the doctrine. You must nourish them with the right biblical teaching. Because the truth is we're indoctrinating them in something. We're teaching them something. We're teaching them how to view the world. We're teaching them what's important. We're teaching them what's the most important thing. We're teaching them what's worth sacrificing time and family and purpose and self over. We're teaching them these things. It's not that we're not indoctrinating them. It's that we're indoctrinating them with the wrong things. And then wondering when that indoctrination bears fruit, we wonder what happened. What happened is your kids were listening and watching and you nourish them but not with the things of the Lord. Anything less than nourishing godly children with the word of God is going to steal the wind out of the sails of your children. 
And if you rejoice that your kids are showing any sign of Christian faith and you're working and you're seeing the Lord circumcise their hearts and you're seeing them read the Bible and going, Dad, to do that, I want to obey. What do I need to do? I don't want to lie. I don't want to. And you're looking at those things and saying, yes, good, good. You, you do not want to be the one that ends up being, that stands in the way of that. You do not want to be the one that starves out, that, that here's this child and instead of nourishing it, you watch it starve or you feed it full of uh, the fat of this world. So the Christian parents, you're either nourishing your kids with the Bible or you're setting them adrift, windless in this world. You're doing one of two things. You're either nourishing them, fatting, fattening them up, or you're going to set them adrift when they get out of your house, and then who knows what wind or wave of doctrine will lead them wherever. So what nourishes godly children? Nourish them. Bring them up. But it doesn't just say, hey, you know, don't provoke your children to anger, but instead nourish them. It tells us what to nourish them in. Right? That's the good thing. What does it tell us to nourish them in in Ephesians 6? Nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That word discipline there, uh, it really just means the way one raises a child. Uh, it's not really the word like for whipping, uh, although I think you, you know, do that too. Uh, but it's not really that idea of, of discipline. It, it's, it's where we get the word pedagogy, right? Pedagogical, like a teaching thing. Uh, give them an education. Uh, lead them toward the things that are fitting for a child. So, so educate them. Give them the, the, your job is to educate them in this world, to, to take this child and, and direct them, direct their thoughts. And that's where the discipline comes in. Their thoughts want to come one way. You say, no, that's not true. This is true. Wants to go this way. No, that's not true. This is true. Educate your children. Get, grow them in the things uh, that they're supposed to grow in and then instruct them. So in the, the discipline and instruction, uh, and that, that word for instruction is, is mind placement. Get their minds in the right place. The, the child mind is, is like poured concrete. And we're, we're like, as parents, we're just setting up the right forms. We're molding it. We're, 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 we're getting their mind in the right place, which is what Proverbs 22, 6 is talking about. When it says, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What is that teaching? Like the child's mind is soft in that way. And the way, this is why you stealing the wind from their sails is such a, such a, a, a deleterious thing, such a bad thing is because you're, you're sort of forming that and it's going to set. And so just like, I don't know if you've ever worked with concrete that is like just about to get hard and you're like freaking out. Or if you're like me, you don't know what you're supposed to do. So you're really freaking out because you think you're doing something wrong. Uh, when it starts to set, you're like, we better go to town. You know, we better get this done because it's not going to wait. You, you, need to, you need to see your children like that. Like their time in your home is not that long. It's not. And I think if you looked at, I mean, and then if you take out the amount of time that they're sleeping, which gets even larger when they're teenagers, uh, then it's even less time. Then you're looking at the amount of time you've got and what you're going to release them into the world to do. Surely we would recognize as, as parents, especially as fathers, we need to be busy teaching them the things of God. We need to be busy about getting these things into their head before it sets and they're gone. 
and they're not in our homes. And, and we're, we're not there to correct every time they talk back or the way they talk to their wives or the way they talk to their children or the, the way they act or the fact that they don't have you open, you know, you don't call your kids every day and say, have you opened your Bible today? How are you doing on your Bible reading plan? You know, you don't get to do that anymore. So how are you going to instill those things? How are you going to form that concrete? He says, nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, notice here, one thing I think it's, is interesting in Ephesians 6 is Paul expects, and this is true in Colossians as well, Paul expects fathers to be the primary ones educating the kids. And our modern world has lost that somewhere around Little House on the Prairie or something. I don't know where. But whether it's Ephesians uh, 6.4 uh, or Colossians 3, they both say, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. You bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So fathers, in a godly home, you are supposed to be the primary educator of the children. You, you can't... You, Fathers cannot pawn the education of their children on their wives. I notice again this trend in educating children where the father is almost totally absent from the education of the children. And again, this is, this is so, you know, what often happens is, you know, in, in, in our world, he's got his thing, she's got her thing, and she's surely got time to do it, but he definitely doesn't. And so this is just another example of how the, how the godly home has been replaced by a home that the world wants to give us. So, so the, the godly home is replaced by the, by the, the father who's a workaholic home or the father who, who fills the home with extracurricular activities or the father who's distant. Men, men have abandoned their, their two primary roles in the education of the home. Men have abandoned that it is their job to bathe their wives in the water of the word. They've left their wives to either bathe themselves or to be bathed by someone else. And fathers have abandoned that they're the primary role of educating not just their wives, but their children. Fathers, you're supposed to be the one nourishing the kids in the things of God. If you can look at, look, if, if you can look at this and say, well, maybe this part of fathers means fathers and mothers. You're going to get into a whole bugaboo with all the other things that say husbands do this and wives, and wives do that. Fathers, not only are you supposed to be involved in these things, you're supposed to be leading them. Again, in the same way that we can't just look at the wife and say, hey, are you, are you taking care of, are you, are you getting any word? All right. Like you're supposed to actively be bathing her. In the same way, you can't just look at the wife and go, you educating the kids? You are? Well, all right, got to go work. Uh, hope you're doing that. Like you have to be, you have to be involved. A, 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 an educated child or a child that isn't a child's education that isn't being led by the husband is educating the family the wrong way. Is creating a wrong picture of education. And I'm not talking. And again, fathers, I'm not talking about behind the scenes. I'm not just saying, fathers, you know, you just okay the purchases for the curriculum or whatever. I'm talking about where the kids know that the father is the one who nourishes the children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That the father's not just the one who makes sure that the mom is nourishing them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The truth is Christian homes are often transgendered in their education. 
because the wife is the one forced to play the role that the father is supposed to play. The Christian home has become drag king story hour because the husbands and fathers are absent, leaving the mothers to play the role that was given to men to nourish and instruct the home. So fathers, do that. Figure out how you have to do it, but do it. If you're looking at it going, I don't know how that's going to fit with my schedule, fit your schedule. Make your schedule to fit the word, not the world. I mean, one of the things I told, I told parents one time, they were, uh, you know, I've got this and I, you know, I go to work at this time and I get back at this time and, and that's when we do school. I said, well, why do you do school then? Why do you do school from 8 to 3 or 8 to noon? Why don't you do school in the evening when he gets home? I mean, well, because, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of things that you can do, not just in education. And again, that's assuming that you understand that when you're doing homeschool, the primary education that you're giving them is biblical. But if you're educating your kids, if, if, as, as fathers, you've got to understand your job. Your job is to be the primary one nourishing your children in the things of God. To be, to be the one who is leading that. And whatever you do, it's supposed to be done, what? In the, instruction, in, the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, fathers, it's not just discipline your kids. Fathers, it's not just raise your kids. It's discipline them. It's raise them in the Lord. It's not just guys, you shape their minds. It's guys, we've got an obligation to shape their mind in the things of the Lord. Our kids are only rightly nourished when we nourish them in the things of God. It's not just give them something, it's give them the Lord. There are, there are two standards that we as men must guard ourselves and our kids from. The, the first standard is the world standard. And the second standard we must guard them from is our standard. And now it's, it's funny, we, we get worried about the first one, but it's actually easier. It is easier to protect your kids from the world standards. That's the easiest thing to protect them from. Because for them to learn the world standards, we're the ones who have to introduce them to those things of the world. Kids only learn uh, from Babylon when parents take them on guided tours, right? It's not, like, it's not like the world is coming into your home saying, hi, I'm going to turn on your TV now. Excuse me. You're going to watch this program or hi, uh, these are kids that I'm going to force your kids to be friends with. Uh, so enjoy that. This kid's got a neat little cell phone in his pocket that you don't know about. I mean, the, we're the one, like when it comes to the world standards, we're the ones who have to open the floodgates, we're the, so it'd be the easiest. I mean, you could, you could just totally hole up and treat every year like 2020, right? I mean, you can, the, in terms of introducing to the world standards, that's the easiest one to protect them from. We must be careful that our standards are from God's word and not from the world, of course. But another danger isn't the world. But another danger for Christian parents is to run the home based on our standards rather than God's standards. And that, that's a problem when, when our standards are arbitrary, where we just always want, we want our kids to be like this. We want them to act like that. And, and we often hold those rules as more golden than scriptural rules. I mean, we, we, will, we will be far more upset when our children misbehave in the grocery store to the point of us being provoked to anger and snatching them than we will when they are disobedient to the word of God in our home. 
when a child lies, we go, you're not supposed to lie. But if a child acts a certain way in, in like a shopping cart, we're like, I'm going to take you to the car right now. And buy you know, I mean, so like so that shows which which standard are we actually treasuring more than the other is normally you can tell by whichever standard provokes you to anger rather than righteousness. So how do fathers keep from discouraging their kids? Raise them up in the things of the Lord. In this way, every Christian parent should be a theonomist, small t theonomist. Meaning every Christian parent should run the home based on God's law, not theirs. And if we don't, the danger is what we'll end up doing is stealing the wind from the sails of our kids because we're holding them to our standard rather than God's standard. So how does, how does God raise his children? In and through the word of Christ. So fathers, is that how you're raising your children? Is that the primary way that you're nourishing your kids? As your kids are growing up, are they being nourished through the word of Christ? Is that the primary thing that you're feeding your kids? So let's, let's put all that together and we'll see what we've, we've got in a, in a gospel home. Let's go back. Children, in a gospel home, children, are you obeying your parents? If, if, if all of the church obeyed God like you obey your parents, how healthy would the church be? If the rest of the church treated God the way you treat your mom and dad, how healthy would we be as a church? So obey your parents. In everything, live, that is the righteous thing to do. It pleases the Lord. And parents, particularly fathers, are you nourishing your children? Are you, are you feeding them the things of, of God? Are you encouraging godliness in them? Or are you actually the one discouraging godliness in them? Are you seeding faith? Or are you seeding doubt and disobedience? Is your parenting wind in their sails driving them toward the Lord? Or or are you the one that's guilty of taking their breath away? When you parent, is your goal, I want to parent like my father has parented me. I mean, we live in a world where people often say that you're going to end up becoming your parents, right? You're going to parent like your parents. And I say, good but I want the parent that I model to be my heavenly father. And as Christians, what we can do is we can, we can take on that worldly psychology and we'll actually end up being like our parents because our parents are the only ones we're thinking about. Because we're not intentionally trying to model our heavenly father in our parenting. When you parent, be like the father. If God was as committed to teaching you about him as you are committed to teaching your children about him, how godly would you be today? If God, if, if God convicted you about as much sin and, and taught you about as, of himself as much as you teach and talk to your kids as their father, where would your Christian life be? How healthy would you be? How fat would you be? Is the gospel the most important thing in our homes? And for the gospel to be center in our homes, the gospel has to be center in our parenting and it's got to be central in our growing up. This is, this is how I want to raise my kids. 
And kids, you've got to say, this is how I want to be raised and why. That's what our homes have to be. A picture of the father and his children. And we're all playing that role. The hope is that we're doing it well. So when we look at that and we say, well, I haven't been doing that well. I haven't nourished my kids and I've only got, you know, then we're looking and we're counting how many years our kids are going to be in the home. And we're like, I'm going to have to really stuff it uh, for a little while, like cram it uh, into them. You know, what do you do if, if you've looked at this and you think, have I, have I messed up as, as a parent or you're a child and you're like, you know what? I haven't been a good child. I haven't, I haven't been the type of kid I'm supposed to be. Do you just think, well, well, I just messed up? No, again, what do we do in all of these? If we see our failures, what do we do? We look to Christ. And center your eyes on him and then get to work. Again, we said this last time, there is no home so broken that Christ cannot mend its wounds. There's no relationship between father and children that cannot be mended by the Lord. So if you look and you're a father and you're going, man, I have not been nourishing my children. Well, then turn to the Lord and say, the only reason I know I haven't been is because you haven't abandoned me because you've been a good father to me and you're teaching me this today. And so father, help me learn and help me be obedient. Help me nourish my children. If your kids are gone, nourish your grandkids. Be someone who is doing, who is, who is feeding people these things. If you're a child who says, you know what, I, I haven't been the type of child I need to be. I haven't, I haven't portrayed a good picture of, of Christ's church. Well, what do I need to do? Well, obey. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor them. Obey them in everything because it pleases the Lord. And how can you do that? Because Christ has changed your heart. Because Christ has turned your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And if it was still a heart of stone, you wouldn't care that you haven't been obeying your parents. You wouldn't care that you haven't been a good picture of Christ in the church. And if you do, the same Christ who saved you is the one who gives you the strength to be obedient to him. Our failures are exactly why we need the gospel in our homes. Not because our homes are going to be perfect, but because our homes aren't. And the gospel reminds us that everything's going to be okay because Christ is perfect. And Christ is perfecting us. So see who your father is and you'll want to honor him. See what your father has done and you'll cherish how he nourishes you as he disciplines and instructs you. And we'll see all of those things most clearly when we see them in the life of Jesus Christ. And what he's done, not just for us, but in us. Let's pray. Just take a moment and think about your, your life, kids. I know we said last week was for you guys, but take a moment and pray that you would be uh, a good picture of the church's response to the Father. That you, would, that you would honor your parents as you want to honor your Heavenly Father. Repent if you haven't done that. If you haven't been obeying your kids and everything or obeying your parents and everything, repent of that. If you haven't been doing that righteous thing, if you haven't been honoring them. Parents, pray that you would that you would nourish your children. Fathers, especially you. Fathers, this is to you. 
Your job is to nourish your home. And you can either see how you've been leading out in that and, and doing that, or you can try and, again, co-opt it on your wife or whatever. But fathers, this is to you. I can't just make it to parents because it's not just to parents. Fathers, this is to you. Your job is to nourish the home. Your job, that's, that's your gender role. To feed, to feed the home the things of God. Are you doing that? Or are you provoking them to something else? Are you stirring them up to something else? Are you actually stealing the winds from the sails of not just your children, but God's? Repent and be obedient. The Lord is very gracious. Start fattening them up while you've still got time. And not just while you've still got time, but because your father's worth it. Be a good picture of your heavenly father and his care and love for you. Father, we come to you today. God, you are so gracious to us. And this time is, is where we see that grace. You have been very kind to us. You, you teach us these things in your word. And, and you hold us to, to a standard that we are sometimes, uh, Father, maybe it's, it's laziness or distraction or whatever, God. It's a standard that causes us, calls us to have to die to ourselves. And so, Father, I, I thank you that the standard is high. I thank you that we are supposed to mirror you, but I also know that you're the one who gives us the strength to be able to do that. There's no way we could do these things. There's no way we could nourish anybody in the things of you if you had not changed our hearts, if you had not circumcised our, our hearts of stone and turned them to hearts of flesh. And so, Father, help us as fathers to, to nourish our, our children in the things of you. To be raising them up, to be instructing them, to be forming their minds into the right things. Just like you do to us. And Father, help our children. Father, help them to be obedient. To obey in everything. Because that is righteous and it pleases you and it'll be good for them. And so, Father, we come to you and we just ask that you would help us to do your word. We know we can't do it without you. And we know that since we have you, we can do it. So, Father, help us to be obedient. As you have saved us for these types of good works, which you prepared beforehand, Father, that we would walk in them. So may we get to walking, Father, for our good and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.